Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, live in the Orlando bubble, uh, where game-winning shots and playoff drama is at a peak right now. And today we're talking all things bubble, all things playoffs with Rebecca Harlow, TNT sideline reporter. You've seen her on the Eastern Conference focus here um, with the Heat and the Celtics, but certainly watching everything. Rebecca, where were you last night? What was your reaction when Anthony Davis hit that shot? Because I felt like the whole bubble erupted when that shot went in. I was watching the game from just sitting in my bed and in typical true sports fan fashion, literally jumped up and was screaming <laughs> at the TV. I had that. I mean, it's so weird. You've been in the building, so you know when something dramatic happens, we don't have that crowd reaction. We don't have the 20,000 people screaming hot. So it's basically everybody in the gym, and you can hear everybody's reaction. It was so funny. Anthony Davis plowed over one of his teammates. You know, they had people <laughs> running and hugging. It was just comical. And I couldn't stop thinking to myself, like, what is everybody else doing right now? Because the people in the gym, we were all stunned. Yeah. It was immaculate. I mean, went through the net, nothing but the net. Does it feel weird to you being somebody that's always in the arena, always right there close to the action, to see those plays here in this environment? Yes and no. Yes, it's weird because part of what I love so much about what we do is getting to be in the moment when those shots happen and the crowd goes absolutely crazy. And those are the moments that you love so much in sports and that I personally enjoy covering. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because the level of basketball that we've seen down here all along and this restart has just been so incredibly outstanding. And these are the best players in the world and they're still playing for a championship. So it is weird though, how quiet it is. <laughs> I've been having that conversation with a lot of friends and family at home that the network in the league has done such a good job of making it feel so real when you're watching them on television. But then when you're in the gym, like you said, it's so much more quiet. It's just a completely different experience. It's strange, but in a very cool kind of funky way. Um, yes. The series that you're locked in on, obviously, has gotten really interesting. After their turnaround, that game three win for the Celtics, we get this break in games. So, you know, both sides get to stew a little bit. On the first three games of the series, they don't pick it up again until uh, Wednesday night for game four. What did you take as the mood, the kind of of both teams coming out of game three and how they're going to respond come Wednesday night? Well, I think this break is more beneficial to Boston than to Miami because of Gordon Hayward. So he obviously came back for the first time in game three, hadn't played in over a month, and he was able to play 31 minutes, which was amazing. And his 
stat line wasn't super gaudy, but it was still pretty impressive that he was able to do everything between you know, points, rebounds, assists, steals. He really impacted that game. And so afterwards, he completely admitted that he was exhausted and that the <laughs> ankle was really sore. So I think the three days to have him rehab and then also just keep working him back in with the team because there are no practices. There's yeah. no time for practice when there's games every other day. And so they're actually going to be able to work him into a practice. So I think it kind of behooves them in that regard. I think Miami though, think about it. They've won so much. They've yeah. done a lot of sitting around. They've done more sitting around than any other team in the bubble. So I think for them having three days off, it's not going to be any different from their first round sweep. And then, you know, the second round where that was only a five game series and they're sitting and waiting to play. So they're used to that routine. Yeah. I know you were one of the first people to report about Gordon Hayward's availability for game three. Um, you know, you forget until you get up and close, just how his size and having another player for Boston with his size and versatility seemed to make all the difference in the world. Goran Dragic did not have a really big game mm -hmm. in game three. Jimmy Butler struggled. But it just seemed like adding that one more element for Boston, that one other wing player with size who could play both ends really changed the dynamics for the Celtics. A hundred percent. You think about it, he can defend all five positions. Not that they would want him doing that on a regular basis, but he has the capability to do that. And then on the other end, even if he's just a decoy, he's shot the ball really well historically, but also this year in particular, um, he's been so solid from three. So even if his role is just more of a decoy, they can't hone in on Jalen and Jason in the same way that they were able to do in the first two games or Kemba in the first two games when they've got to now contain him too. So I really do think that having him back made a huge difference. I also think you have to think about the mental side of it for the Celtics too. You know, I think the Celtics were in a tough spot and they lost two games that they could have easily won. Yeah. And that's disheartening. And that is also where this whole bubble situation is weird because you lose a heartbreaking game. At least you're going home to your family and your comfortable bed and your surroundings. Now you're going back to these same four walls <laughs> that you've been in for three months. And that's hard. Yeah. And I think people forget that Boston was in control of those first two games and just lost them. Um, it couldn't sustain it. That series as well as Miami's played and then being up two, I think it gave everybody the sense that, well, the knockout punch is coming. This strikes me as a, a much longer series than people are expecting. I can see, easily see this thing going back and forth to seven games between two teams that I think are really evenly matched. A hundred percent. Yes. I think if they had lost game three, obviously that would have been the dagger, but I'm not surprised at all. And even if Hayward hadn't played, I still think the Celtics would have had a good chance to win that game just because, like you said, game one, they gave up a 14-point lead late and game two, 17 point lead late. I think they had a lot of proving too. We saw that with the way that they attached the rim and it wasn't just layups I and mean, they were dunking the ball. And I think that they were sending a message that they're not ready to give up the fight in this series. So I think you're right. I think it could easily go to six or seven. Did we get duped with the uh, 
post-game locker room brouhaha and the whole. I almost feel like that was some of that old Kobe Shaq. What does Shaq call it? It was marketing. Yeah. We were thinking the Celtics were melting down. You know, Marcus Smart comes out of the locker room screaming and hollering. But they didn't appear to be at all uneasy with each other. It was like back to business. I know you see the Celtics a lot throughout the course of the regular season. That team, to me, has some of the better chemistry. When you think about young guys who are all in similar stages of their career, they look like they're locked in in ways that a lot of young teams aren't. You know, when you got all these guys competing for minutes and their money potentially, they looked cohesive. Yes, and they've been very cohesive down here in the bubble, too. I think that that was completely overblown. Look, these are grown men. They're competitors. Of course they want to win. And they give up two late leads two times in a row. I would expect them to be upset. I would expect them to be angry about that situation. And the other thing that I think that's really interesting is they are in a situation where the locker room can be heard by everybody like it was. If they were back in Boston or any of the other teams, their locker room is tucked back. It's soundproof. They're handling their business as a team and doing whatever. I'm sure these things happen. I know these things happen all the time. And the difference is we could hear it this time. Obviously for us, that's the dream. Like, hello, easy night. You know, reporters are going, oh man, I got, there's the story. You know, you can kind of run with it. I thought Brad Stevens and the way to handle it. And then it was very shrewd. The next day, no practice, no availability. You kind of let everything, you know, relax a little bit. This Boston team in, in Miami, they've got players who I think you're getting a chance to, if you're a fan of the league or you watch the league, but you don't get to hone in on one team or one specific group of teams, you're getting a chance to really appreciate how good Bam Adebayo is, how good, you know, Marcus Smart, and some of these players who aren't household names to the casual fan, you're getting a chance to really lock in right now and see what type of game they bring to the table. Who's been the player in that series maybe that that has shined the most to you in terms of just looking at him and going, wow, I forgot how talented this guy was, or this guy's game has really transcended where he's been in the past? I, I don't know. Pleasantly surprised maybe isn't fair because there's so much talent on that Miami roster. But mm-hmm. when you think about the trade, I think the trade was brilliant with Crowder and Iguodala. And we didn't get to see that team operate because then the COVID thing happened so quickly. And so the vision that the Heat had for that team, we're all just starting to see it now. And it has been so much fun to watch those guys play because they are so together. They are so talented. They have six different players who are averaging in double figures in this series. They're the only team left in the bubble that can say that. And sometimes that can be a disadvantage, right? Like sometimes you want to have your two stars and then your third player. Maybe you don't want everyone averaging in double figures, but it works for this Miami team. And that's where I do think that you have to give Jimmy Butler a lot of credit is because I love the way that he approaches these games and that in the first half or the first quarter, you see him getting all those other guys involved in the game. 
making sure that the confidence level is super high, making sure they're super engaged. And then if he needs to take over late, he does. Also, though, I think for game four, we're going to see Jimmy take over earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that they're tired of the come from behind win thing. Mm -hmm. So if Boston had a statement game in game three, I think Miami's going to want to come out and have a statement game in game four. But I've been so impressed by their togetherness, really, truly. It's been fun to watch. They are playing so hard for each other. I think it's been really neat to see. That's the one thing I keep trying to explain to people, you know, who aren't here. And I don't know how it translates on TV at home, if you can get a real sense for how fierce each possession has become. Like, Bam Adebayo, when he walked in for his interview after the game the other night, and he was kind of stretching and like, ah, you know, like, you could tell he had, he had been taking a pounding because Boston was pulling him away from the rim, trying to make sure he wasn't rim protecting. So they were running, you know, and moving the ball. And I, I was like, I don't know if people that aren't watching this in the flesh can really appreciate just how physical these games are, how fierce the competition is on every single possession. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's where it is neat seeing it up close and personal without all the fans around. I obviously I prefer to have the fans, but mm-hmm. that is where you can really see the up close and personal and hear yeah. the up close and personal of what is happening and the interactions that's going on between these guys. And yeah, I mean, they're killing each other out there. <laughs> um, the level of competition is just so, so high. That part has been really neat. But yeah, band, all those guys, they are working so hard. And one thing that I think is so interesting about the Heat team is that they have become so good in every series defensively at taking away what the other team does best. And then on top of that, they're willing to sacrifice their bodies. So between those two things, I think that's why we're seeing them have so much success. And then Again, the fact that they've got four or five ball handlers who can handle the point down the stretch, it just gives them so much versatility that Spoh's done a really good job with that group. Yeah. When I'm making my laps around the property, um, I see Eric Spolstra, who, you know, coaches are different creatures as it is. You know, they got to be so dialed in on the details. But seeing him walk, I mean, I don't see him walking with anybody else. It's just him by himself. And he's walking super fast um you know but he smiles and he waves but i know for some people this is maddening being you know down here in the bubble being secluded and locked away from everything that's normal but i get a feeling that some of these coaches actually like being in the experiment that is hey i got nothing but basketball you know we get to focus on this we don't have the normal distractions i don't have to worry about does this guy stay out late and come in to shoot around the next morning drag it's like they're all kind of rowing in that boat. And I imagine for guys like Spo and for Brad Stevens, this is a completely different challenge than it might be for players or anybody else's down here. Yeah, absolutely. I think they love that it's all basketball all the time. I think they love that their players are locked in with all basketball all the time. But the one thing that I do know from personally talking to both Spo and Brad is that they both really miss their families. Yeah. Um, And that's hard. You know, they both have young kids at home. And that's what I think is just tough about this. But I think the trade off is that if you're playing for a championship and 
you can navigate those feelings. The trade-off is that it is all basketball all the time. So if you're going to be away from your family for that length of time, at least you get to be immersed in all basketball and not have to worry about the rest of the stuff that would be going on in a typical playoff series. Last thing here, everybody's going to assume that whoever comes out of the East is a sacrificial lamb for the favorite for the favorite Western conference team. And, and we don't know who that is yet. Everybody is going to put that on the Lakers right now, obviously up two games and none in their, you know, series against the Denver Nuggets. I don't feel like it's going to be as easy a time, you know, for anybody to win this championship. I, I get a feeling that the finals is going to be a lot like everything else we've seen, which is very competitive, um, stripped down, you know, of all the extra extra things that will go on. So it's going to be very organic. It's going to just be basketball. Who's got the better matchups? Who can exploit them? Do you think when we get a champion, whoever that might be, whether it's a surprising, you know, Eastern Conference team, whether, you know, whether it's selects, whatever, but that champion will have kind of walked through some fire that you wouldn't normally have to walk through to win it. I mean, clearly with the circumstance, but just the competition of the teams. Yes, absolutely. I think that it's interesting because I think heading into this whole bubble experiment, I think there were a lot of people who thought, okay, whoever wins the championship put an asterisk next to their name because it doesn't count quite as much. Not one player that has played in this environment down here under these circumstances will be saying that walking away from this thing because it has been intense. It has been competitive. These games have been awesome. And I think the mentality is that if we are giving up this much, we are balling on the floor. Yeah. Not that they wouldn't be in normal circumstances, but there's just so much more pressure because there's no outlet Yeah. at all. I mean, we are in this tiny little circle, <laughs> this tiny little campus, these same four walls. And I also completely agree with you, Sekou. I don't think any team in the West is just going to walk over whoever comes out of the East. If it's going to be as good as it's been all this way, we damn sure better get a, a finals that's just cutthroat and ruthless and competitive and uh, entertaining for fans. Totally. Listen, I'm going to make sure that I, I change up. You, you just inspired me. You talked about these walls. And I realize now <laughs> we've all got the same walls, the same pictures. I don't even know why they're, they're cactus pictures on the walls down here in Central Florida. I'll leave that to whoever is in charge of designing this place. But I'm starting to get cabin fever thinking about, oh, my gosh, everybody goes back to the exact same room around here. This is crazy. I know, I know. You know what? I've also wondered about the cactus yes. situation because you're right. There aren't cactuses in Florida. We are not in Arizona. No. What is up with that? I have no idea. I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to upset anybody here at, at Coronado Springs before we get out. So I'm going to be on good behavior. But I might ask on my way when I check out and be like, hey, what's with the uh, cactus motif around here? What's with, what am I missing? Yes. And hey, you know what? I will say that too. Coronado Springs has been awesome. The league has been amazing. And yes. they've, they've worked so hard to make this comfortable for us. So it is by no means a knock, those four walls, <laughs> a knock on anything that is happening. It is just literally that it is the monotony of yes. coming back. 
for months at a time to the same four walls. They're nice four walls. Beautiful, clean four walls, healthy, safe four walls. But when I get home, I'm telling my wife, we're going to redecorate every week until 2021. We're going to redecorate the house just, just so I see something different when I get home every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. Appreciate you so much. Oh, this was fun. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. You can watch TNT for the Western Conference Finals, but Rebecca Harlow is giving you the business on the East as well here during the conference finals. Sacred Smith, thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Hangtime Podcast. <laughs>